Good evening, lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Candy, and Creatives, the Sunday Cinema Show. CCC is a Be Unique Radio featured program. My creative tonight is filmmaker Sean Cisterna. Sean's latest project is screening at Dances with Films Film Festival, June 16th in Los Angeles. This award-winning documentary tells the story of Felipe Leite, who traveled from his adoptive home of Canada all the way to his family's home in Brazil, entirely on horseback. This almost three-year journey, multiple international borders, through all of these different landscapes and environments and the people that he met, both good and bad, dealing with the corruption at borders, the, the intricacies of traveling with animals, nature's wrath, speeding transport trucks, all of these things, he took this amazing journey. The documentary has hours and hours of footage recorded by Felipe himself. This is amazing, amazing documentary, and I highly recommend you see it when you get the chance. This episode is sponsored by Be Unique Brevard, the Space Coast premier magazine. Head over to beunique.org to snag your copy today. This episode is also sponsored by quipsandcups.com. I don't drink my coffee in anything other than a Quips and Cups mug. They have some of the coolest and punniest mugs available out there. Go to quipsandcups.com and snag your amazing new favorite mug. Now, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, cuddle up with your host pup, and enjoy the show. Good evening, lovelies. I am here with director Sean Sister. We're here to talk about this incredible true story of Philippe. I mess up his name every time. I'll say it. Felipe Massetti Leite. There we go. He went on an incredible journey. I can only imagine that your journey, while not as exhaustive maybe, had to be pretty tough as well. Take me into it to just to jump in. How did you get attached to the project? Had you heard the story and you were like, hey, this dude's got 500 hours of film footage. We can do something with this. How did you get into it? So yes, yeah, so The Long Rider is a feature documentary and it tells the story of Felipe Leite who leaves his adoptive home of Canada and the aspiring journalist has to set out on this epic quest to ride from Calgary to his family's home in Brazil and later beyond entirely on horseback. So Felipe and I met in, in high school. Um, I'm a bit older than him, I'm, uh, but our former drama teachers kind of introduced us. And when he kind of undertook this journey, I followed it in, in real time, knowing one day the footage that he was capturing along the way would make for an incredible documentary. And you're right. I don't have the battle scars to prove that I went along the, the journey with Felipe. Only, only he can tell the, uh, the, the tale as, as best as he can. But, uh, you know, I suffered in the editing room watching those 500 hours and uh, went on my own transformative journey. Um, so, uh, yeah. So you were, you were along for the ride, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, uh, like Felipe recorded everything on his journey, obviously. So he has um, a camera that he kind of treats as, you know, his diary sort of thing. So when he was traveling and um you know crossing borders illegally and getting help from the drug cartels to uh to to get back home to his family in brazil um you know uh having uh, the the footage that he captured uh really you know 
propelled me to to get into his mindset to experience the journey with him along the way um but no it was my job to to take those 500 hours of footage and um watch every frame of it and and whittle it down to the best 90 minutes so that you our audience can um can experience the journey um with felipe in the most concise and exciting way possible that's an incredible task yeah it's 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 monumental in itself i mean the the original plan was that we were going to do a feature film like a, a narrative version so we had the script all ready to go um it was developed here in, in canada by um some different film funds um and so we had the film ready to go and then covid hit and we the borders were shut down we couldn't shoot our movie in in canada and the u.s and mexico brazil wherever we wanted to film and so we were just you know kind of lapsed into this uh depression we didn't know when we were ever going to be able to make this film and then felipe said you know i have all this footage that i shot on my journey why don't we see if we can do something with it so the plan then pivoted and we were able to make this documentary during uh those few first few months of the lockdown to get it started and now we have a a feature documentary that's doing really well and hopefully it'll propel interest in the narrative version when we eventually do that yes what sean is too humble to say is multiple award winning that's so to me as a viewer and this is just my opinion as a viewer i feel like trying to not fictionalize it but trying to do that narrative type thing I like it the way it is much better than if it was Hollywoodized and nothing against Hollywood if they come calling. But I feel like this is just, you're in it. You are there. You're rocking in the saddle. You know, it's like, I felt like I was there in a sense, obviously not, uh, you know, not as uncomfortable and, and, and painful as it could be, but there's some moments in the film that they don't seem true but they are true and it's just so much more impactful. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but there's a moment where I internally screamed, Arjun! And then you mentioned the drug cartel, but he's in a hotel and the hotel owner has a domestic dispute with his wife. That shit was, that was crazy. And he's thinking, do I throw myself out the window? what do I do? Do I hide under the bed? And it just was just like so visceral and just felt like you were there. And I I think it would have lost just personally, I think it would have lost some of that. Yeah. I mean, you, I guess you have to think of the, the audience as well. I mean, how, even though, you know, we're really proud of our film and we think the whole world should see it, is the whole world going to see it? Um, Or is it made, is it meant um, do you think only like niche documentary audiences are going to be able to experience this because they'll they'll seek it out when you have a, a narrative version with actors I mean they bring their own legion of fans to, to the film and are able to um, you know use that uh, celebrity mom- momentum to to drive more people to experience uh, the narrative version of it so we think the, you know the two can coexist side by side it's just that you know how many documentaries kind of break through the mainstream and and become a part of everyday conversation. So that's that was our thinking of it. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I'm absolutely not disparaging anything, any decisions made, but you're right. But God, isn't that something that as a filmmaker, you have to kind of kind of have to decide. It's like this, this might not be the next Tom Cruise blockbuster, but it's really freaking 
I'm so proud of it. And it's so good. And 20,000 people loved it. We got 20,000 five-star reviews, eh, but not necessarily, you know, it, it's not going to be, it might not be at the, the front page of Amazon. Prime. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to decide and that's at being a creative. You really, you have to make tough choices sometimes, not reimagine it, but you could do what you had planned now that things are kind of loosening up a little bit. I talked with a director who took an episodic series that he had made for YouTube and turned it into a feature film because people were like, Hey, we need to know more about Sid. So it's kind of like, I think as a creative, as a filmmaker, you can do whatever the hell you want. If you've got the time and the money to, yeah, it's better when it's other people's money. But yes, I, I definitely agree that, uh, yeah, we're able to be creative. And uh, there's so much more world building in in, um, in Felipe's story. I mean, he wrote, uh, by the time uh, the end of the year comes around, he'll have three books based on his three different journeys. So there's uh, so much more um, interesting uh, adventures and, and characters to, to meet along the way when we do our our uh, narrative versions with with actors because um his, mm-hmm. his story just couldn't be compressed into into um smaller sort of time frames now that we'll the, the plan is to do three films based on his three journeys and and to to have the time to tell that that story will be just uh uh allow for more creative freedom and and opportunities to to make it more expansive for for audiences well, I mean, my God, the horses deserve their own book. They are heroes. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, everybody gives credit to Felipe for for doing what he did, but the, the horses were there every day with him. Frenchie Bruiser and, and Dude were um, just monumental um, heroes of the journey who, who, you know, not only gave Felipe transportation, but... Um, but uh, friendship along the way as well. It sounds strange, but they, they were, uh, the horses were like his, his kids on, on this journey. Companionship, because my God, it would have been faster if he would have been on a motorbike or in a car, but he would have been so alone. And you, you said something about his camera being like his journal, almost like Wilson in Castaway. You start to talk to the camera as if it's, it's another person kind of. It's something you can talk to. It doesn't necessarily talk back. But at least you're not talking to yourself because then you start getting lost in your own head and in your thoughts. And then you're like, I think I've lost my damn mind. You know, you look around like, well, crap, but going, I wanted to go way back. You said he had to leave Canada. Um, yeah, I mean, the documentary kind of uh, puts it out there that he had some permanent residency issues. You know, he was originally from Brazil. His family moved to Canada in search of a better life. And then um, at some point, bureaucracy caught up with them and um, and their permanent residency lapsed. And oh. so they were de- they were sent back to, to Brazil. And um, Felipe, inspired by this book that he read as a kid called Shifley's Ride, which is the story of this Swiss school teacher, Aim Shifley, who rode from Argentina to New York City in the 1920s. Felipe, you know, grew up with this mythology in his, in his head. And when, you know, it was time for him to to head back home to Brazil, um, he did it in the most epic way possible by riding these these horses from Canada to Brazil, just like his, uh, his idol did, Shifley, in the yeah. 1920s. But the 1920s was a much different time than it is currently today, right? Far more intense. The borders are more, um, you know, scrupulous, and uh, it's much more daunting a a task to uh, to undergo. Well, I, he had to cross some borders or 
all of the borders. I don't know how to say the word, but sneakily, he, he couldn't just be bold as brass and say, I'm coming through. So being on horseback, even though he had the two other ones, which probably makes a lot of noise going through the woods, but it made more able to like to sneak. I hate to use that word, but I mean, that's what he had to do. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, he had to cross the borders illegally. It was um, the only way that he could get his horses across. A lot of the um, the issues happened in, in South America, um, tra- traversing through like Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and each kind of border got more and more complex with um, border guards wanting to be paid off and not letting his horses through, um, wow. you know, sending him for tests that didn't really mean anything. And so, you know, when, when borders just refused to let his horses through, he had to find safe passage with the help of, you know, kind drug lords, if you, if you can, uh, if, if there's such a term, but um, that's, that's the reality of, of what happened. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it, but that's how he got, you know, from Mexico into Guatemala and et cetera. So you said this was, he took three trips and it says over the course of eight years and like 15 and a half thousand miles. And I forget how many countries I have to like, make it make sense in my head. Do you remember the hunger games? Yeah. And it talked about the districts in my head. They were like one on top of each other <laughs> and how they got to the cat, you know, the capital and all that. So he started in Canada. He came down through, I can't remember which one's on top, Montana or Wyoming. Yep. Uh... And just came down that away into what mexico and then into central dear god on horseback yeah he he left from calgary knowing that you know once he got on top of montana it was horse country obviously through wyoming and um and uh moving into new mexico and then texas um it was all like uh what you know states that appreciated western culture so he figured that if he knocked on someone's door in the middle of the night then they would be sympathetic to him and, and allow him to stay on their property because, you know, he leaves every day not knowing where he's going to eat or sleep next and kind of depends on the kindness of strangers to get to, to help him get back home. That's incredibly smart thinking because you're, I mean, it's farmers, it's ranchers. He's one, he's not going to look at a place on a horse with a couple tagging behind him and he's going to find empathetic, sympathetic people that understand. I mean, don't come down, don't come down New York, New Jersey. Don't do it. <laughs> no, the traffic is far too intense. No, no. I think he, he planned his route really well. You know, it, it didn't end up, uh, he didn't end up traveling the route that was originally proposed. There were some issues in Panama, as you may have uh, remembered from the film. But um, I think without that preparation that he, he did initially, it wouldn't have... Um, uh, it, it paid off in, in spades when problems did arise because he had that forethought and uh, an initial plan to, in which to pivot from. But the, I, I don't think he would have been as successful had he not done all that preparation beforehand. Right. Didn't he first, when he first started out, didn't he forget water though? Yeah, it was a rookie mistake on day one, leaving Calgary. Um, it was middle of July, intense heat. Yeah. in the middle of a drought and then um you know on, on day one he forgot to bring water for himself and, and the horses so you know every day was a, a learning curve and they had to adapt and and survive and um you know he lived to tell the tale we need to also point out for people that uh, haven't seen the film yet he left behind his girl his lady love he had to leave her behind that's like so sad to me and also he's got three i don't know how much horses weigh 
pound animals that he has to keep alive at the very least and healthy at the most, right? He's got to make sure that wherever he ends the day has something for them to eat and water for them to drink. There's accidents that are, you know, shown in the film. And just like this trip from Calgary to Brazil to, to outside of um, Sao Paulo, how long did that take? Uh, that took 803 days. So almost two and a half years of, um, of, of travel, you know, without a home over your head, without a refrigerator to that, that stocked. And every day was just a, a challenge to find food and, and water for these horses and for himself. With literally what you can carry. Yeah. I mean, we're talking up mountains, down mountains, through deserts, through rivers. No, no veterinarian there with you in case anything goes wrong. What helped him was he grew up around horses before he could walk. So I'm sure he was able to, for the most part, take care of, you know, cracked hooves and, and sprains and things like that. I mean, he had to do it all. I mean, for me, I feel like the most heartbreaking thing is he left behind friends and loved ones. I mean, yes, his family was in Brazil on the other end of this track cut since he was nine years old. And he was how old when he had to leave? Um, early 20s. Okay, so still mm-hmm. your formative years in Canada, which is beautiful and polite and progressive and beautiful and cold to go back to a place that he left when he was nine years old. Yeah, I mean, he always said that um, he got his bachelor of journalism at, at university here in, in canada but uh he got his master's in humanity in, in the saddle and so and that was from his experience traveling all those different countries and, and engaging with uh you know fellow humans um from from all these different uh cultures along the way so you experiencing life at um you know three miles an hour is uh pretty it's, it's, it's a monumental way to, to experience different cultures and, and people and, and learn from, from them uh, across this, uh, this, um, this odyssey that he went on. And here's the thing, at that pace, you cannot be unaware of your surroundings. In a car, you don't see, you know, you might point out the window, cow, but I mean, that's like, you're not seeing anything. I don't know that I'm necessarily advocating for people to go on what was it? 803 day horseback rides, but slow down, take it easy. Cause you really don't see we're going too fast, honestly, to notice and think about it. He came from Canada, as we said, you know, Montana, Wyoming, all the different, and this is still all in America before he even got to, to, you know, central and South America, all the different types of people that he met and talked with and slept in their pastures. What an amazing experience. I hate that he had to do it, but I love that he did it, if that makes sense. Really quick, you said three trips. So he did this two more times. <laughs> did. Um, yeah, so after he uh, after he made it to Brazil, um, there was a bit of a downward spiral, um, you know, some dark and depressing times that he had to kind of uh, overcome. And he did that by riding from Brazil uh, to the southernmost tip of the world in, in Argentina. It's a place called Ushuaia. Um, so he did that to raise funds for a, a cancer hospital in, in Brazil. And then to kind of complete the journey of the Americas, he rode from Alaska back down to where he started in Calgary. So by the end of this eight-year odyssey, he's he's traveled from, you know, Alaska to Argentina and became one of the, you know, the youngest people in, in history to ride the entire Americas on, on horseback. 
That's crazy. Great, but crazy. Yeah. You know, he's a long rider. He doesn't do it for um, ribbons or, or money or prizes. It's just, um, you know, the, the call of a long rider is to experience um, life at that, at that pace and to connect with the, the, the natural world and, and humanity um, in, in general, just to experience all these different cultures and, and hear people's stories, because that was the most beautiful part of this, uh, this journey for him. Oh my God. And for audiences too, I feel like I've, I get to experience these different cultures uh, through, through Felipe's uh, camera work and, and through his stories. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure to, to be with this project for the last two years and to finally see it um, with audiences is really the most exciting thing. You know, we made this film in a COVID bubble and uh and we finished in in february of 2022 and to be able to premiere it at these different film festivals and and see audiences gasp and laugh and and cry at the end of the movie is um it's pretty rewarding and scream artan (laughs) so i'm sorry so you said he got to brazil and then to raise money for cancer he went from brazil to the southernmost tip of argentina you said it i can't pronounce it Ushuaia. Ushuaia. It's sad because I'm also half Spanish and I can't, I have a speech impediment when it comes to, so he did that for cancer, uh, to raise funds for uh, cancer hospital in Brazil, which is amazing. And then Alaska to back to Calgary. God, that's, I'm guessing that maybe, I mean, did he have to be as sneaky? Is that giving anything away if we talk about that? Did he have to be as sneaky when he did the Alaska to Calgary? Or was it like, Um, oh. No, that that was a little bit easier. I mean, when he went from Brazil to Argentina, I think knowing what he learned on the first journey, how difficult it was to pass borders, uh, he swapped out horses every country because they wouldn't let him pass as, as easily. So he just had to get a new pair of horses every time he crossed a border. Uh, but from Alaska to Calgary um, for the third journey, they were the same same horses that went along with him. From Brazil to Argentina, they get to the border and the horses are like, thank God. <laughs> I'm tired. I had a question. There are some amazing, I assume drone shots. They're gorgeous. Was that, was that Felipe as well? Uh, yeah. We're, and where we didn't have footage, then we would uh, find um, a, a shot from that country that we could incorporate to make it look okay. as seamless as possible. But uh, no, Felipe knows how to use a camera well and was able to, uh, to get all the shots that you know myself as a filmmaker would need to kind of tell the story yeah we had a small but mighty crew i mean our our editor lee walker did uh did amazing work going through the footage a second time and and just adding more spice and variety to the film so you as an audience member could feel what it might be like to be in nicaragua for example um and then our composer edgardo uh he was a Chilean composer and he was able to create a soundtrack where, you know, it starts off with um, very North American style of music. And as we progress south into, into Latin and South America, the instruments kind of change and adopt the sound of that country that Felipe's in. So we go kind of go on a musical journey at the same time as our as our protagonist does. I have always thought that music makes the film. I mean, it just adds, like you said, it just adds so much. And I love those little bits of genius that your composer put in. It's like, we're in America, we're getting closer. It's, it's, and one of the notes I put down was the locations and the, the scenery, stunningly gorgeous, beautiful, real. Like you said, real footage. It's not Photoshop doctored up. 
this is what he saw while he was while he was writing yeah to be able to to you know go through um swamps and jungles and mountains and uh you know the the andes and um places that you wouldn't normally otherwise uh get to travel to i mean if you're doing it at such a slow pace um you really get to to experience the world in in such a special way and there's so many places that are only accessible by foot or hooves yeah by hooves that's amazing so I know it's premiering June 16th at Dances with Films Film Festival in LA, which is kind of cool. Yeah, to be able to screen at the um, the Chinese theaters is pretty uh, pretty special. Yeah. yeah, can I have a carpet and everything? Uh, I think they do a green carpet there. We've been getting the emails from the festival. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they do a green <laughs> carpet at Dances with Films, and yeah, we'll have a nice premiere, and um, I think some. Uh, the Brazilian consulate is going to come out as well and, and kind of see um, send some politicians out to see our film and same with uh, the Canadian consulate. So all the, the countries that were involved in the making of the film will be there in, to, to represent it as well. Well, I mean, not to give them too much credit, but the Canadian government was responsible for him starting on the journey in the first place, right? So yeah, yeah. That but, was bad. Um, his big dream, Felipe's big dream is to become like a, a citizen here. So uh, I, I think the the film will kind of help him get his his, um, his uh, permanent residency and, and ultimately his citizenship. But, uh, you know, you have to go undergo, you know, pivots and, and ups and downs and peaks and valleys in order to kind of rise above everything and kind of find your find your place. So one like a little hiccup in, in, uh, in his quest to become a citizen. I know that there's situations or incidences where, don't quote me, but I think this happened with Tom Hanks, a country will give citizenship for the good that the person has done for the country. Like, didn't he get that with Greece, I think, or something like that for his charitable efforts? He got, um, I don't know if it was citizenship, but like you said, uh, residency. So come on, Canada, let's go. (laughs) Let's get her done. I'll pass this message on to the appropriate people. Okay. I'll, they'll be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, going way back, I love that you're going to make more uh, documentaries or even uh, feature films about this subject because it is so important to like, I mean, it touches on a lot of things. It touches on immigration. It touches on corruption at the borders. It, it touches upon uh, the, the drug cartels. It's about humanity, loving your fellow human, whether you know them or not, whether they look like you or not. So that's amazing. And I know in Canada, the film industry in Canada offers grants to filmmakers, right? That's nice. Yeah, they do. We live in a pretty supportive country. I mean, we have Telefilm Canada. That's our national funding source. And uh, each, you know, we're divided into provinces, not states. So each province has their own film commission as well. Um, so to be able to, to walk into these institutions, pitch our projects and, um, and same with at the broadcasters in the country, we can walk in and pitch to broadcasters and kind of cobble together the resources we need to, to, to tell our stories. It's, uh, it really is a supportive artistic place. It is. I just, I love Canada in general, but I love that it's, it's like that for creatives. You know how America is. We're not going to get into it. But I love that they're so supportive of creatives and they're like, bring it. What do you got? Tell me more. 
I love this idea. I hate that idea. Here's some money. So I would normally ask what's up next, but we've discussed that we want to do more with Felipe. But do you have any other projects you want to shout out about? Let's see. I got a movie coming out called Boy City. It's the story of this uh, this aging boy band that never quite made it in, in the 90s. And now they're giving it one last shot. Um, and okay. despite being in their mid thirties, uh, so it's a bit of a mockumentary comedy that we're doing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not as, um, as uh, vast and epic as the long rider, but, uh, this is definitely a, a unique and fun movie that, that will be coming out later this year or early next year. Sorry. So early 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying it is about new kids on the block, but it's not, not about new kids on the block. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> With music really quick. Here's the sad thing. All the bands that you and I listened to and grew up with, they got old just like we did. We're not old. <laughs> Don't feel young. Yeah. It's told in, in multiple different formats as well. So you get, um, you know, a documentary look, then a, a music video look, a feature film look. It's, uh, it's a, it really bends the genres and, and, and uh, um, storytelling ways uh, that we communicate with in, in film. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to see that one as well. But no, I think we'll still be uh, working on getting the long rider out um, over the next several months, premiering at different festivals and then and meeting different broadcasters in every kind of country that we go to in order to get the film into their markets as well. That's the beautiful thing about going to these different film festivals. Not only do you get to experience the movie with a, a new audience in a different um, state or different country every time, but it's a, a chance to meet um, local gatekeepers in the area to help expand the film into those markets as well i forget how many countries you just mentioned but it, it's not just america canada it, it's every single country that is touched on and this one it should be shown because this is your country and this is your countryside and this is your town and and people like to see themselves represented in film so why would they not why would brazil not want it why would nicaragua not want it you know yeah, yeah that's definitely the plan i mean shooting in all those countries really does help open doors when it comes time but um you know you think of horses as well horses are loved in in multiple countries across europe portugal spain italy they all come from uh from horse culture backgrounds and um and there's different languages represented in the film, Spanish and Portuguese and English. So all those territories that speak those languages around the world should respond to this film. But ultimately, it's, it's a family story. But a kid tried to get back home to his family. Um, and everybody has a family. So I, I think the themes in the film are very universal. And we just, um, it all comes down to timing and, and luck and um who which which gatekeeper will see the film first and and take a and fall in love with it and take a shot at it that's the um the challenge for us independent filmmakers is to get our films out there and to cast the widest net to, to in, in the hopes that someone can take what we've done and, and make it bigger right absolutely get those distribution rights yeah. <laughs> well that's awesome i'm excited to see more and i'm excited for people to be able to see it. I'm blessed because I got to see it. So people can go to, is it thelongrider.com? Uh, longriderfilm.com is the website and you can check us out on social media at the Longrider Film on Facebook and Instagram, or you can follow me at Sean Cisterna and uh, yeah, if, reach out anytime. I'll, I'll answer all your questions. And uh, I just, I love the project so much that it's, uh, you know, engaging with people over and over again is, is kind of like a thrill to me to be able to, to chat about the film and, and, you know, and share inside stories about it. 
what I think also makes it super special, this is your friend. Felipe is your friend. It's not just some dude or some dudette. And you're like, oh, they, they did a really cool thing. Let me edit all their footage. No, this is your, this is your pal. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, uh, I've known him for the last 15, 20 years and um, it, it still baffles my mind to know that, you know, when we first met that this would just not even have been a consideration in, in our lives. And now here we are 15, 20 years later, and we have this, this project to be mutually proud of and uh, to be able to bring it to the world is pretty exciting. That is very exciting. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I was just so excited for people listening. We've been trying to get this together for like the past week because I really, really wanted to talk to you. And I'm so glad that I did nothing but the best to you for you and Felipe. Thank you, Papa. I appreciate your uh, passion and your, uh, your thoughtful questions this evening. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And I love horses. So, hey, <laughs> all right. Well, have a great night, Sean. Thanks for talking with me. Thank you. Good luck. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this creative conversation. Be sure to follow me on social media. I am Pup Duffy basically everywhere. You can follow the show on Facebook. It's Coffee, Candy, and Creatives. Head over to beunique.org. Like, follow, and support my beautiful humans over there. Be sure to check out my sponsor. And for your own sponsorship or interview opportunities, please email me at pup4ccc at gmail.com. If you like the music you're hearing, head on over to Raleigh Keegan and do yourself a favor and buy this album. You can download it or you can have a physical CD. You can also keep up to date on tour dates and future releases. As always, take care of each other, love each other, watch each other's back, and I'll see you next time.